Hello, and welcome to another episode of Paving the Way podcast. I'm Seth Amoa, aka Essay. I'm here with Kenny Jean Louis, also known as KJL. Today, we're here with a big time basketball player back in the days. I'm sure he could still play a little bit. You know, <laughs> but we'll get more into it. We know we're going to start the interview. Mr. Dwight Walton. How you guys doing? It's been a long, it's been a long time coming, but uh, listen, I'm, I'm very, very appreciative that you guys want to have me on your, your paving the way uh, program here. It's, it's, it's been a long time coming, as I said, but uh, uh, I'm very appreciative and uh, to be considered to be one of Quebec's legends, so to speak. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I, I take a lot of pride in that. Um, I did play ball a long time ago, and I still try to involve myself. Uh, with basketball here in the province of Quebec as much as I can, whether it be on the basketball court, whether it is being a referee and uh, doing some media stuff here in Montreal and in Canada overall. Uh, whatever I can do basketball-wise to help, I will continue to do so. Okay. Merci d'avoir accepté l'invitation. Il y a beaucoup de personnes. À chaque fois qu'on sort un épisode, il y a des personnes qui disent « Hey, you, Dwight Walton, we need Dwight Walton on the show. Like, where is that? So uh, thank you very much for accepting our invitation. So the first question that we always ask everyone is, when's the passion for basketball started for you? Well, I will say this. The passion for sports overall for me started when I was seven years old. I had a goal when I was seven years old to be a professional athlete. Uh, my first sport that I played was hockey and then I played baseball, and then I picked up basketball in the eighth grade. Now, I played hockey for 10 years from the ages of 7 to 17. Oh. I, played, I played baseball from 7 to 17, but I picked up basketball. That was the last sport I picked up, and uh, it was about the seventh grade. I was 12 years old, and my, my brother, my late brother, Norman Walton, he had a, a passion for basketball, but he wasn't for the, the structure of it. He was for the entertainment of it, and he was a huge Harlem Globetrotter fan. And I used to go to Rembrandt, Rembrandt Park when I was a kid out here in Cole St. Luke. And my brother used to go with me. And he would be taking these hook shots from half court. And we're, we're in the game trying to win. And my brother's trying to have a good time. And, you know, we used to go back and forth. But uh, my passion, once again, came from my brother because he liked the entertainment side of it. But I was so competitive since I was a kid that I began to take basketball seriously when I was 12 years old in the seventh grade. And that's when it took off. And I made the decision then that basketball was going to be my focus. Although I, I loved playing hockey and basketball, but I mean, excuse me, hockey and baseball. But basketball is what took over my life. And uh, I had a pretty good career. It was a pretty good career decision, but uh, basketball when I was 12 years yeah. old is when it took over. Do you, do you sometimes, I'm sure a lot of people didn't know that you played hockey and baseball. Like, <laughs> I didn't know that. And do you sometimes, like, do you think if you went that route, do you sometimes think, oh, maybe I should have played hockey or baseball? Well, here's the thing. Um, I was pretty good at both hockey and baseball. Uh, I've got some friends of mine to this day who tell me that uh, I made a career mistake in taking basketball. I should have should have stuck with baseball because I was pretty good. I was a center fielder. Uh, I had a good arm. I was a pretty good athlete. I could run. I could cover ground. And I could hit. I could pretty much do a lot of things. And just a, a fun fact about myself, when I was at Florida Tech, Uh, one day the baseball coach approached me and he asked, I, I asked him, I said, listen, can I, can I take batting practice uh, one time? And uh, he said, okay. He goes, yes, come on, come on by. And I went out to the, to the, to the field, hit some balls. And after the hitting, after the, the batting practice session, 
the baseball coach came up to me and said, Dwight, are you sure you're playing the right sport? Because <laughs> I, I can get you drafted in six months. Oh, man. So, so, listen, baseball was good for me. Hockey was good for me. But, again, I had the passion for basketball, and that's what took over when I was 12 years old. And the rest, as they say, is history. Mm-hmm. And you – And would you say that playing hockey and baseball helped you? Because we saw – we see a lot of parents, like, putting their kids in basketball early. but we always see that there's a lot of parents who put their kids in other sports before putting their kids in basketball. And would you say like it's better to put their, your kid in one sport when they're young or it's good to play like multiple sports? Anybody who knows me, Kenny, uh, I'm a major advocate for, for kids playing multiple sports because I think if, if you play one sport growing up, your body tends to only function for that one sport. I think if you're a multi-athlete, You're, you're gonna injuries are gonna happen. It's a part of sports. But I think if you if you tell your child to 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 do different sports, to have different uh, aspects of life, also in terms of building the body, if the body gets used to doing different things, I think you can you can avoid catastrophic injuries in the future. Now listen, only God knows that. I mean, none, none of us really know how the body's gonna turn out. But I think it's best for a child's development to play multiple sports instead of being one sport specific because you end up using uh, certain muscle groups in that one sport while other sports will give you the opportunity and the body to grow in a better way. So I will always be an advocate for a child to play multiple sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I know you went to Wager High School. Yes, I um, did. And you, you, that's where I, you said you played hockey from seven to, wait, from seven to 17? Yes. So you played hockey and you played basketball. How was that juggling school, hockey, basketball, all that? It, w- it was very tough set. And my late mother and I used to go at it all the time in terms of my grades. I, I, I was a decent student. I could have been a much better student growing up. But because I was so sports-centric and because I had so much on my plate, yes, my schoolwork did suffer. Yes, I graduated out of high school. My grades could have been better. Uh, but uh, I, I was a sports fanatic. Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was a tough juggle. It's a tough juggle at any level, whether you be in, in high school or at the college or university level, you have to be able to be responsible, be resourceful, and try to juggle both being an athlete and a regular citizen. It's, it's very, very tough, as you guys would know, but uh, I ended up getting it done. I got my high school degree, my university degree, so, yeah. but, 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 but I'm not gonna say it was easy. It was yeah. a def- definitely a tough road to hold. Okay, and what were you doing, like, uh, during the year and also during the summer to get better, like, when we were playing basketball? Were you always going to the park or a workout? Like, what were you doing to get better? I was going to the park uh, back in the day, like I said, Rembrandt Park, uh, Stainer Park uh, in, in Little Burgundy. I used to go to the NCC in Little Burgundy. But where I really learned, honed my skills was at the rec uh, in NDG. That's where I played. That's where I grew up. That's where I got tough. That's where I knew, learned about competitive spirit. Uh, that just being there on a night-in, night night-out basis, also playing in the Black League on Sundays, uh, that was what I did. Uh, of course, my summers were about physical fitness and working on my game. But uh, in terms of just being in a, in a competitive environment, it was the rec for me in NDG where I where I grew up playing ball. And that's where I learned how to, how to be competitive. And most importantly, that's how I got tough and knew how winning was so important. Mm-hmm. So when you started playing in the seventh grade, did, then you made like, I guess, a goal that, okay, you know what? I, have to, I want to play at the CGIP level. 
or is it like throughout like later on you're like you know what maybe i could play at the egypt level no you know what's that like i said earlier when i was seven years old just going to school and being an athlete wasn't enough for me i wanted to be a professional athlete don't ask me what made me at seven years old already identify that mm -hmm. but i was gonna do something i was gonna get paid to do some sport whether it was hockey baseball or basketball and mm -hmm. basketball for me as i said when i was 12 in the seventh grade whatever it was it, it it overtook my spirit overtook my life and i dedicated myself to it i had a lot i had some some negative criticism towards myself which really motivated me into trying to prove everybody wrong all of us have doubters mm -hmm. growing up as to as to what level we can get to uh but i i use that as fuel as motivation for me to get to my goal but playing high school playing seja playing college or university wasn't enough for me mm -hmm. i wanted to be a professional athlete that was what i identified when i was seven years old and i ended up uh playing basketball Mm -hmm. as a profession until I was 39 years old, yes. Mm -hmm. And we know that you, you went to Dawson College? Yes, I went to Dawson, yes I did. I, I went to Wager High School, then I went to Dawson, yes. Yes, and why, why did you go to Dawson? Why did you say to, to go to Dawson? Why do you go to Dawson? No, because that was, you know, my, my, friend, my friends were going there. To me, Dawson was the best program in Quebec at that time. And uh, when you're talking about uh, Wayne Yearwood, Trevor Williams, Tommy Kane. Those were the guys that were there before me, and I wanted to be on their level, and so that's where I went to school. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. To, to me, it was just a whole, the whole glamorization of it, just going to Dawson College, the big band, Dawson Blues, you know, and that's what I wanted to be a part of. And like I said, I, was, I had been playing ball with Wayne, Trevor, and Tommy back then, and that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be like them growing up. So... That's what I did. I wanted to be like them in terms of their, in terms of their athletic achievements. That was my goal. Dawson was the best program for me, and that's why I went there. At, at the time, um, the head coach for Dawson was Olga, I believe? No, 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 not for me. The, the, the coaches that I had at, at Dawson were Brett McPhee, the late Brett mm -hmm. McPhee, mm -hmm. and then Varouj Garimli, and who you probably know Varouge, now yeah. uh, as, as a referee. But Varouj yeah. is one of the best basketball players yeah. to ever come out of the province of Quebec. If people don't know that, they need to know that now. Yeah. Uh, you may know him as a referee, but he was a great basketball player, represented our country. Uh, at the national level, and then he was my head coach for my for my uh, last two years at Dawson. Brent was there for my first year, but Varouge was my coach for the last two years. So those are the coaches that I had at Dawson College. Was it was it um, Varouge actually uh, was a teacher at my school at Lauren Hill? Lauren Hill, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. A teacher, Look, yeah. Listen, Varouge is my mentor. He's the one that prepared me. Uh, he because he had played for Coach Donahue at the national team level when he was my coach at Dawson. He had prepared me, actually, by having what he, he ran with the national team at Dawson. So, because he, I had already been invited to national team camp. So he was preparing me with, before I even got there to, uh, to, to know and to what to expect. And to this day, I'm forever grateful to Varouge. Varouge and I are very good friends to this day. We mm -hmm. talk as much as we can. It's, not, it's more difficult now because we do have our separate lives. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Varouge is definitely my mentor in terms of basketball, that's for sure. Yeah. 
And how was your career at Dawson? And also, was the tra transition from high school to CJP was hard for you or no? Listen, um, I, I don't want to sit here and, and humble brag about myself, but <laughs> I, I, think, I think I've made a pretty decent transition. There, there are struggles. There are struggles, obviously, um, uh, at the beginning because you're trying to adjust uh, to, the, to the speed, the physicality, the structure, playing against older players. Although physically I was ready, yes, mentally I had some things to catch up on, uh, but at the same time I, I, think, uh, I think the transition was pretty, went pretty well. Uh, I ended up uh, being an All-Canadian at Dawson. Uh, we went to the Nationals one time in the three years that I was there. Uh, we, didn't, we won a bronze medal. Uh, that's a whole different story for another day because I can tell you stories about how I felt that we got robbed at the Nationals in, in, in British Columbia, but that's, uh, that's, that's water under the bridge now. But uh, I had a, a pretty decent and successful career at Dawson College, that's for sure, yes. Mm -hmm. So I, um, after, I guess, your whole Dawson, you were, um, if I'm mistaken, All-Canadian? Yes, I was. I was an yeah. All Canadian for one season. Yes, at all. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. Yes, yes. So, so how does it feel to be that that have that honor, especially coming out of Quebec? You know, yeah. listen, man. It's it's uh, to be recognized as one of the best players in the country at that at that time was definitely an honor for me, and uh, I wore that honor with pride. Uh, people that know me, I, I'm I don't brag about myself. I'm not a braggadocious type of guy. Mm. But at the same time, I I I, I understand what it is to to represent not only the, the country, but, but the, the province mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And I took a lot of pride in that. And to be one of the best players uh, in the country coming out of Quebec definitely uh, was a moment of honor mm -hmm. for me. And for sure, being, being that kind of player that you were, I'm sure you're getting highly, you're highly recruited. Yeah, yes, I was. Yes, I was. And um, I, again, once the exposure started to come my way, uh, I understood that I had a chance. And it, it was important for me to, to not only get a scholarship, but to take the weight, the financial weight off of my mother's shoulders. It was just, my mother was a single mom. She raised three kids, uh, religious background. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, that's that's, that's the, uh, the religion that we are. And I just wanted to make sure that she was okay, uh, mm -hmm. that she didn't have to worry about myself. Uh, of course, you want to play uh, in the U.S., of course, that that's the ultimate goal of going to Division One schools, of course. But I just wanted to make sure that my mother didn't have to have the financial burden uh, on her shoulders for me to go to school. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so that, so that was it. And I know you went to Siena, right? Yes, I went. I went. I went to Siena College for my freshman year. Uh, I ran into some eligibility issues, which which wouldn't allow me to finish my Division One career. Uh, but I had options of going Division One. I'm excuse me, Division Two, or Division Three. And Florida Tech had always recruited me at that time, and that's where I ended up going uh, to school there. Yes. Okay. And the same question I asked you from the transition from high school to CJP. I was transition from Canada to now the U.S. Was it like hard and easy? Well, uh, well, listen. But by, by that time, uh, I had already made the national team, mm -hmm. so I had played against amazing competition. So for me to go from Sejep to to university, uh, what wasn't that much of a of a stretch for me because I'd already played the national team, so I knew what the physicality, played against men, the pace of the game, and my my IQ for the game had stepped up as well. So. Uh, I, the transition 
it wasn't a smooth, easy one, but it wasn't a difficult one. I can't sit here and say, man, it was tough. No, it wasn't a difficult one at all for me. Mm -hmm. And also, for sure, uh, congratulations. You were All-American, I believe. Yes, yeah. I was, I, yes, I was a three-time All-American at Florida Tech. Well, one year was an honorable mention, mm -hmm. and the other two years I, I was a, was a, a second-team All-American. And uh, so yes. that now being a Canadian yes. and going to the U.S. and becoming an All-American, yeah. That was the creme de la creme for me because that just to, to, to leave one country and mm -hmm. to go to another one and to be considered one of the best 15 players at that level, uh, that, that really, really yeah, stuck with yeah. me. It was huge for me. And that, that really, really gave me confidence going mm -hmm. forward in my career. How was the, um, I, I, we know you're part of the 19, 1988 uh, Olympic team. Yes. Uh, so how was that, yeah. that whole experience? That, that was, my goal was to ultimately make the NBA, Seth mm -hmm. and Kenny, but that was the best basketball experience of my entire life, my entire career. Uh, to have the focus of the world on you for two weeks, uh, not only basketball, but all the athletes to, to represent your country. Uh, to be one of the 12, 12 best players at that time in the country, repre representing your country on an international stage, the Olympic Games. Uh, I can go to my grave knowing that I was an Olympian. Uh, my mother was extremely proud of that. My, my son, the Olympian, she couldn't say it enough. <laughs> be, be, being around her, fr her family and her, and, her, and her friends. And the thing is, it, it brings emotions to me now because anybody who knows me knows I was the ultimate mama's boy. My mom and I were tight. If you saw Dwight, you saw my mother. If you saw my mother, you saw Dwight. And that was my end game. I wanted to make my mother proud. I wanted to make my family and my friends proud. And to be known as an Olympic athlete is is uh, pride and joy. And it's, it's a badge of honor for me. Yeah. Can, can you tell us maybe one story or like some player that you played with that you were maybe amazed or like, I don't know, like some... Well, I, I will say this. Um, you see, back then, and even in some cases now, international players aren't that much respected. But just imagine back in the 80s when it was almost... You didn't know who these international players were. But I knew all of them. Oscar Schmidt from Brazil. Drazen Petrovic uh, from Yugoslavia. Tony, the late, great Drazen Petrovic. Tony Kukoc. Vladi Divac. Dino Raja. All those, there's, there's a lot more, okay? Uh, but I played against all these players internationally. And I, and I came back to Montreal trying to tell my friends, yo, there's some dudes out here that, sh that should be in the NBA right now. Arvita Sabonis from Russia. Uh, all these, these guys should be in the NBA. But for whatever reasons, there was, I don't want to use the word discrimination, but maybe the culture was just different back then as to where European players or the avenues were different where European players just didn't come to the NBA. Of course, those borders have been shattered now and the NBA is littered with international players, but there are mm -hmm. so, so many guys that I played with, played against. Uh, the list is long, it's, it's famous. A lot of these guys are Hall of Fame players mm -hmm. uh, and I had the chance to, to share the basketball court with them. Okay. Um, and, uh... I think was uh, you also played with Steve Nash when he was I think he was eighteen year old. 18 -year -old. Oh yeah, no. Listen, I've I've I played with Steve Nash for five summers. Uh, Steve and I remain friends to this day. Uh, we we still talk via text, not often, 
but uh, we, we are still friends. We still are in communication a little bit. And it's pretty cool to, to say that Steve Nash right now is the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, I, sent, I sent him a congratulatory text. Uh, we go back and forth on players to see if there's any interest. And so, so yeah, so I played with Steve. I had the pleasure of playing where he got me six to eight points every game. All I had to do was keep my hands up, make sure I could catch it, and finish. Because, as you know, Steve was one of the greatest passers in basketball history. So, yeah, Steve was my team. And I've known Steve since he was 15 years old. So, uh, uh, we might have. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, I have a question um, because it's funny because you played at Siena, but yep. then that didn't go. So you transferred to uh, Florida Institute. Is that yes. Okay? Yeah. yeah. You played Division Two, and you still had this amazing career playing Division Two. Can you just t say something to the players out there that think playing Division Two, they think, oh, no, I didn't. It's Division Two. I want to play Division One. There's no success, whatever. Well, now you're talking my language, Seth, because. I am a coach, assistant mm -hmm. coach at Concordia University. Mm -hmm. And listen, I don't want to be a hypocrite when I'm recruiting a kid because I went to the United States to play basketball. That was my goal. And I know all the players that we recruit at Concordia, they want to go to the United States of America and play basketball as well. And more power to them. If they can do that, if they think that's the best avenue for them, God bless you. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. However, you don't have to go to the U.S. in order to be successful later on, okay? Um, we're just talking from an athletic point of view here. If you're good, the scouts will find you. That's what I tell everybody, okay? Now, are there advantages to playing in the United States? Of course there are, right? And, and I, I totally understand that. But whether you play at a, at a prep school in Canada, a prep school in the United States, a college in the United States or in Canada, if you play youth sport in Canada or Division One, if you're a good player, the scouts will find you. Yes, there are advantages to playing in different parts of the world, but if you can put the if you can put the ball on the floor, if you can score, if you can defend, if you're a strong, explosive athlete, the scouts are going to find you. So uh, it's it's it's. I know for some people they don't want to hear that, but success will come. If you make it, it's up to you to make the best decisions for yourself. Yeah, you're right. And one of the guys who paved the way for Quebec basketball, what do you think of Quebec basketball right now? And what do you see in the future? Oh, Quebec basketball. Listen, we've always had great players, Kenny and Seth. So let's mm -hmm. not uh, get it twisted here. We've always had great players. But to see the success now, fast forward over the last couple of years to where we've had players from Montreal, players from the province of Quebec, being in the NBA and being successful in the NBA. We're talking about two-time NBA champion, Joel Anthony with, the, with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, the Miami Heat. Then we fast forward to Chris Boucher playing a role with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Lou Gantz Dorr, who played a, a major role with the Oklahoma City Thunder last year in their playoff run. You've got Kareem Mane, who assigned a two-way deal with the Orlando Magic. You've got Ken Birch. Mm -hmm. who's with the Orlando Magic right now, and has done a fantastic job of taking Kareem under his wing and being a mentor and being with him every step of the way. You go back to Bill Wennington being a three-time champ with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Stu Granger, who most people don't know, that maybe you have to Google him. He, he's from Montreal as well, grew up in New York City, had played at Villanova University in, 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 uh, in, in Philadelphia, had a cup of coffee in the NBA. We have many, many players. 
Samuel D'Alembert. Oh, so, so, Sam D'Alembert, obviously, of course. How can I forget Sam? Mm -hmm. uh, he played in the NBA, had a successful career in the NBA. So there's, there's, there's many, many players uh, that are, have, have paved the way for us. Yeah. But now, as, as I've said before, the goal now, back in my day, the goal was to play Division I basketball or yeah. university basketball. The goal for players now in the province of Quebec Man, forget about Division One. I. I want to go to the NBA, and I think that's it's it's a great thing now that we that we actually have faces that are in the NBA, people that we can identify with, people that we can talk to, we mm -hmm. can have access to, and because of social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the exposure is there. And as long as you put your mind to it, don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't. If you want to play in the NBA, just put your mind to it and all goals will be achieved. Facts, facts, facts. Um, how, um, we know after, I guess, uh, you're, you played uh, in, in university and not a national team, you also went and played pro? Yes, in I did. Israel, France, and Switzerland? No, um, no, not, not, not France, just Israel and Switzerland. Israel, I don't, Switzerland? Yeah, okay. it's, it's okay, Israel, Switzerland, Israel. Yes, yes. How was that? How was that whole uh, experience? It was, it was great, said the kid. I, 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 I want to say this. Uh, I played four years in Israel, six years in Switzerland. Those were 10 of the best years of, of, of my life. And um, I think what happens is a lot of players, at the beginning, I was homesick. Even at my advanced age, I was homesick. But once you get accustomed to the culture, the lifestyle, and you recognize that it's just basketball, and you're playing basketball for a living, that love, that passion, that joy is going to shine through on the basketball court. And that's why I was able to play 10 years overseas. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of players, a lot of good players get sent home, not because they can't play, but because they're not happy. They mm -hmm. want to be closer to home. They want to be able, back in the day, there was no Android box. There was no, uh, internet was just getting started, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's a lot easier now to go overseas and play because the world has shrunk because of technology. But as long as you have the passion and mm -hmm. the love for your sport, it's going to shine through in your performance. And that's what happened with me. Mm -hmm. And after your 10 years, why you decide to, I guess, retire? Why not play until 15 years? <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, my goal, my goal was to, to stop playing basketball when I was 50. Not professional basketball, but just basketball in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I was 39 years old. Uh, this was back in 2004. And I had three contract offers to go back to play in Switzerland in the, in the fall of 2004. But just after the previous season, my mother had gotten sick. And uh, I thought, we thought as a family that we were going to lose her then. She was in the hospital for 16 days. She came out, uh, thank God, uh, she lived for five more years. And then she passed away in 2009. But going back to 2004, I didn't want to be overseas playing basketball and then get a phone call telling mm -hmm. me I'd have to rush back home. Uh, because of because of my mother. So when my mother survived her illness back in 2004, I made a, a commitment and a decision to myself. You know what? My mother had taken care of me for the first 39 years of my life. It's time for me to return the favor. So for the for the final five years of her life, I was by her side. I was taking care of her, and that's 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 basically what ended my career. It wasn't because I physically couldn't do it, although my body was killing me at the time. Mm -hmm. But, I, but I, I trained 
a, a lot. I took care of my body a lot, which enabled me to have a prolonged career. I could have played until I was 40, 41, 42 years old if I wanted to. Mm. But uh, the, uh, the unfortunate situation with my mother, I just wanted to be by her side. I wanted to be home. So that was the major reason why I retired back in 2004. Um, that's, yeah. And so you completely stopped playing basketball. I, I like completely. Or did you, did you play for the Matrix? Yes, I did. I, I played for the Matrix for three games. I had an unfortunate incident where mm -hmm. I got into a, a little bit of a skirmish. Mm -hmm. I had my I had my jaw broken, and uh, that sort of uh, that <laughs> ended that that ended my professional career mm -hmm. uh, at that time. But I will say this: to have the opportunity to play semi-professional basketball in my hometown of Montreal mm -hmm. uh, before my family and friends, I will cherish that experience, albeit it was a short one. Uh, which ended, unfortunately, because of a broken jaw, like I said. But uh, that was a fun part of my career as well. Um, I don't know if you would like to share that story, because I, I would love to hear that story. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Um, it was a game in Long Island, New York, uh, play for the Matrix. And I had made four of my first five shots. Uh, it was the best game that I was playing with the Matrix. And I guess the guy that I was guarding didn't appreciate it because I brought an intensity and a physicality to the game uh, that I guess he didn't like. I was, I was D'ing him up, I was bodying him, I was, I was making life difficult for him. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, this third party, this other guy, for whatever reason, wanted to get involved, all right? I'm like, listen, man, this isn't between you and I, this is between me and him. Fast forward a couple of possessions, a shot went up. I was going to the offensive glass, and as I, was in, as I was going to the offensive glass, I jumped and I got pushed while I was in the air. Yeah. Now, luckily, luckily, I landed, I braced myself, I got up, turned around, and went to the guy who pushed me. And I said, listen, man, don't do that again. And as I'm push, putting my finger in the guy's face who pushed me, the referee gets in between us. And the next thing I know, I'm getting hit from behind by the other guy that wanted to get involved for no reason. It felt like a cinder block hit my, hit my jaw. My jaw broke in two places. It, bro it broke on this side and down here. And to this day right now, I have a steel plate, a titanium plate yeah. in my bottom jaw, all right? I couldn't eat for five weeks. Uh, needless to say, the game was stopped. Um, I sued the guy. I got a little bit of money. It wasn't a lot of money. Uh, I thought I was going to be a millionaire, but uh, <laughs> that wasn't the case. But anyways, that's, that's, that's oh, not well, important. Yeah, but yeah. but um, that's what happened, and that's why my major's career got cut short. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I know now you're teaching, right? Oh, no, no. Well, I've been working for the English Montreal School Board since 2004. I am a student supervisor, so I'm in charge of discipline. There's many roles for my, for my, for my post discipline i'm a mentor i'm a big brother i'm a shoulder you can cry on i make sure the building is is secure and just overall all health of the school i'm i'm like the, the go-between uh the administration and the students the administration can't be on the floors all the time so i it's up to me to make sure the students are behaving themselves they're not acting the fool and just to get to know them in the case in the in, in case they they have some issues back at home uh, they're having issues with their parents, their boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever the case may be. I'm somebody that they can talk to. But my overall post is just to make sure that the school is safe and secure and that everybody is on the up and up and behaving themselves and making sure they're being responsible.
Uh-huh. For real, I think every school needs that, like needs you know someone like that because that's really really big. Um, are you are you still at JFK? No, no. Well, I I, I was at JFK yeah. up, up until this past this past year. I'm now at James yeah. Lane James Adult okay. Adult Education Center. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. yeah. So I th- yeah, like I said, I believe every school needs that. You know, because for sure there there are. When I was in high school, there were some teachers that were, I guess, like like I could go to, but we didn't have someone like you there, you know. That right, way. and it's 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 funny you say that, Seth, because when I first started this job, um, a lot of the times when students got sent down to the principal's office, they would want me to be in the meeting with them because I had established a, a, a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I was I didn't see the students as a number or a statistic. I actually. You know, and listen, our administrators, they care about the students as well, but they can't have that interpersonal relationship mm-hmm. uh, the same way I can, because my job is to be there for the students. So you get to know, you get to know the students. Then as a result of the relationship with the student, you get to know the, the parents, the family. And when you've got glowing reports from the kid to the parents, of course they want to meet you. I met many parents on, on student teacher interview nights where Dwight, I've heard so much about you. Thank you for being there for my kid. They, 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 they come to school because of you. Mm-hmm. They, they, they listen because of you and you make their day when they see you in the morning. So when I hear stuff like that, and I still get those kind of messages now today. So um, I, I take pride in that as well. Mm-hmm. And just being able to have an impact, if it's only on one person, I've done my job, but fortunately for me, I've had an impact on many lives, and I hope to continue to do so uh, as long as I live. Nice, and I also know that you ref. Like, what what got you into refing? I just, Kenny, I just wanted to be around the game still. Um, and uh, whether you think I'm a good ref or not, <laughs> I, I I love I love to be around the game. Um, I, I just I I played the game, so I know what it is to. I know all the tricks of the trade, so I'm very, it's difficult to, to, to trick me, although I do get fooled <laughs> every now and then. I know plenty of people don't agree with all the calls that I make, but just being a basketball referee, a basketball coach, somebody in the media, it keeps me around the game. I'm what they call a basketball lifer. Mm-hmm. I love basketball. If I could watch basketball 24 hours a day, I would. I've got a family now. I've got a, I've got a, a girlfriend with her three children. So of course I can't dedicate my life that way. But if I have a chance to watch basketball, I'm gonna do it. I love basketball. Mm-hmm. I love doing the research for basketball. We could talk about basketball until we're blue in the face. Trust me. Ask my friends; they will tell you that we could talk ball from now until eternity. <laughs> and uh, I will, I will do my best to keep the conversation going. That's how much I love basketball, and people know that who know me know that for me. Is it is good? Is it hard sometimes to uh, ref at like uh, leagues and you see, I guess, the level of basketball or no? Like like so, or, 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 or when guys talk back at you and you're like, like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? See that that that's a great question, Kenny. Because as a referee, you have to suppress your ego. And if you want to be a good referee, you have to take the ego and you have to take the opinion out of it. Just do your job, make the right call. Don't make any calls because who are you? Why are you talking to me? You, you can't referee like that. If, if you ref like that, you're going to be a terrible official. At the beginning, yes, it was an adjustment for sure. No, I just didn't go on there and be stoic. No, at, at, at first, 
it was tough. But then you get used to it. You get used to the level of play, whatever it is, whether it's a low level or a high level. Your job as a referee is to give those players your best responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's the whole job of being a referee. Sometimes it's tough. Don't get me wrong. It's difficult some nights because there's some games that end in 40, 50, 60-point blowouts. It's tough to concentrate in those type of games. But if you give the players on the floor your fair job, they'll be happy with your performance. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I like about when you ref is you, you, you let us know what we did. You know, you call it out. Yes. Sometimes that's, you that's, call out, you know, you're like, you, number two, in the arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> you know? that's, that, that, that's the, listen, I'm not going to lie here. I, I watch NBA referees. Mm-hmm. That's who I, that's who I try to emulate. Uh, I didn't go to referee school. Um, so that, that if, if I'm, I'm just trying to give my best effort. Right. Yeah, yeah, and if yeah. I, if I could, and I, for the most part, I will let players talk to me. Yeah. If they talk to me with respect, I will give you the respect back. If you're coming at me cussing and swearing, it's going to be kind of difficult. I got pride too. Now it's going to be kind of difficult for me to give you the respect back. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you can, you can complain, you can disagree with me as much as you want, because I was the same way as, as a player. I used to go at the referees all the time. I got multiple technical fouls. Uh, that's just how I was. I was an emotional, very hard-nosed type of player. So I understand what emotions are. Mm-hmm. I understand when you're in the heat of a game, things are going to be But if you come at me as a respectful basketball player, I will give you the respect back, and I will tell you what you did right and what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to ask something about uh, what got you into the, I guess, the career with the school that, you, you know, that you're in, like that you do? Mm-hmm. What got you into it? Was it something that played a part, like a part of your life? You were wanting to do that always, or what? Well, here, here's the deal, Seth. I, I, uh, I had my business management degree from Florida Tech, but for whatever reason, that's not what I wanted to do. All right. If I could turn the clock back, I, I'm happy to have my degree. Don't get me wrong. But if I could turn the clock back, I would have taken communications in, in university. Um, I do some media work now, yeah. but I think if I and studied to do it back then, I think I'd be on a different career path right now. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly happy with my life, don't get me wrong. But uh, if I, if I could have uh, done something different, I would have gotten my communi- communications degree back then. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, I went to the final baseball game for the Expos back in 2004. And I ran into Pat Sullivan, uh, who coached that Sun Youth, played at Champlain St. Lambert, played at Concordia University, was a pretty good basketball player in his own right. And he saw me at the game and he asked me if I was looking for work. And I said, Pat, well, yes, I I am. He goes, how would you feel about working at a school, uh, at a high school? I said, what would you want me to do? He goes, well, listen, right now, I'm the recreation athletic technician at John F. Kennedy, but I'm also the student supervisor. But that's a lot of work to have on my plate by myself. I'm looking for an assistant, somebody who could help me out. And I said, okay, well, you know, what would you want me to be, want me to do? He goes, well, you could be a student supervisor, but in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a Halloween dance. I'm going to have, I'm going to tell my boss about you. I'm going to have you come work the dance from seven o'clock until midnight. And then if my boss likes you, you might get a job out of it. So to fast forward to October 28th, 2004, um, I, I supervised the dance at a great time as I was leaving the principal of the school uh, called me to his office. He said, listen, Dwight, uh, I want to meet with you on Monday. 
bring your resume. And, and to make a long story short, two weeks later, November 15th, 2004, I started my job at John F. Kennedy as a student supervisor. Wow. And to this day, I'm working for the English Montreal School Board. So wow. that's how it worked out. Listen, I'm a believer in God um, and things happen for a reason. I went to that baseball game that night, saw Pat Sullivan, and I've been employed for the last 16 years. So, um, God works in mysterious ways, and, and that's what's going on with my life right now. Yeah. Um, you, you said you were in um, your media right now. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, listen, um, I, I'm, a, I'm one of the basketball analysts for TSN 690. Uh, I've, I also do some, some media work in Toronto, TSN 1050, the Fan 590 in Toronto. I have made some, some, some uh, other appearances around the country. I'm on the radio uh, all over the country in, in, in Winnipeg, in BC. And uh, so I've been doing that since 2006 for the past 14 years. So uh, I have a regular spot on TSN 690 every Wednesday at 9.05, talking about the NBA and all other important basketball matters, uh, whether it be here locally or around the world, internationally, the, at the collegiate level. And I get invited to be on, on radio around the country sometime as well. And uh, I built a pretty good reputation in doing that. And um, again, wow. when, it comes, when, it comes, when it comes to talking basketball, I love to do it. And what, what happened, what was pretty cool, two years ago during the Raptors championship run, uh, I was on either radio or television pretty much every other day for the entire Raptors run. That, that was pretty cool and pretty cool of my boss at Kennedy at the time to allow me to do all that stuff because they understood the uniqueness of the situation. The Toronto mm -hmm. Raptors had never gotten that far before the eventually went on to win the championship. So that was pretty cool to, to be almost every day for a, for a two month period. I was either on the radio or I was on the television doing some kind of, of analysis for that championship run. So that was a good time for me. Oh, okay, it's really nice. Me, last question since you, you can talk about basketball all day. All day. <laughs> who do you think is winning this year, NBA? Who do you think is winning this year? Well, if, it, if it's possible for a team to get better uh, after winning a championship, uh, I think, barring injury, I think the LA Lakers will win a championship again. But I don't think the overwhelming favorite team. Barring injury, and I've been following basketball for a long time, as you guys know. Mm -hmm. But to me, barring injury, this could be the best NBA season that we've ever had. Because of the amount of young talent that we have in the league, because of all the good teams that we have in the NBA right now. You go to the Eastern Conference, talk about Brooklyn, Miami, Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, um, Indiana. That's just in the Eastern Conference. And you go to the Western Conference, You got two LA teams, Utah, Denver, Portland, Dallas, Memphis, um, the Rockets, depending on what situation happens with James Harden in the future. Uh, Phoenix are on the come up. The Sacramento Kings are on the come up. All these teams uh, feel that they have a chance to compete for a championship. But that's what you want in the NBA. You want to know, yes, you're going to have your favorites. But at the same time, on any given night, anybody in the NBA could beat them. You know, it's like, talk yeah. about the Toronto Raptors this year. You don't, you don't know. Now, yes, they've lost Marcus Gasol. They've lost um, Serge Ibaka. 
awesome, some good players. But you've got Chris Boucher, who just signed a, a new two-year contract, who's going to be in the rotation this year. You've got uh, Alex Lent. You've got uh, Aaron Bain. You've got Pascal Siakam, who's definitely going to improve on his from, from his poor performance in the bubble. Kyle Lowry is more motivated than ever. A newly signed Fred Van Vliet. Uh, Malachi Flynn, their draft pick, who's mm-hmm. been performing well in the preseason. The Raptors might be the fourth or the fifth best team in the Eastern Conference, but if you talk to them and anybody around their team, they feel they're one of the top two teams in the Eastern Conference. So that's how good the NBA is right now. But to answer your original question, I think barring injury, the Lakers, too, they're too deep, they're too strong. And as long as you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, uh, yeah. to me, they're the favorites right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So play, play the game, Kenny? Okay, so me and Seth, we have a game. So my game, you have to name me your top five best player that you played with. So the best point guard that you played with, the best shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center that you played with. Okay, well, the best point guard, easy, Steve Nash. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's yeah. end of discussion. Yeah. Um, the best, the best two guard I ever played with. Whew. There's a lot of them. Um, I could say there's Joey Vickery, there's Jay Triano, um, there's Dave Turnot, uh, a lot of guys. Uh, at small forward, I played with Paul's in a summer league, uh, so is he okay. the best part, small forward? Wayne Yearwood, my teammate, the Dawson coach, he was a pretty good small forward in his right as well. Played with Rick Fox on the national team as well. I, I could, I can, I can go on and on because there's, there's just so many, so many good players that I've played with. I don't, I don't want to leave anybody out. I played with Joel Anthony, um, Sam Delambert, um, Leo Routens. <laughs> who you you name it uh, it's it's uh, I played with with a lot of a lot of good players Trevor Williams definitely one of the best players I've ever played with um, who else <laughs> you know it's it's uh, yeah. that's tough to pick still the, the list goes yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know I, I again I I can mention so many other players but uh, I don't want to yeah. get anybody mad at me because <laughs> I don't want to leave anybody out so but okay. uh, I've I've, I've had. I've had the fortune of playing with, uh, with, with, with many, many great basketball players throughout my career. I've been coached by some of the best coaches ever, and I've played with some of the best players ever as well. But uh, Steve, Steve Nash is probably the cream of the crop yeah. for me in terms of my, my best team and the best player I've played with. Okay. My game is called Start, Bench, Cut. I'm going to give you three scenarios, and you got to start one, bench one, and cut one. All right. The first scenario is uh, playing at Dawson College. So I know you guys went to nationals for three years, I believe. Um, so that's playing for Dawson College during that time. The second one is being an All-American in the Florida Institute Florida of Technology. Tech, yeah. Yeah, Florida Tech. And then the third one is being an, an, an Olympian. <sighs> <laughs> okay. Uh, being an Olympian is the starter. Okay. Dawson is the bench. Okay. And being the All-American is the cut. Oh, he can't. Oh, man. Why? Why you can't All-American? That's just, nobody, that's rare. You know, because I just think, listen, Dawson Dawson got me on the mat, man. I I can't, I can't, uh, without Dawson, I don't become an All-Canadian. I don't become an All-American. 
right? So I needed that to okay. get there, right? Okay. Um, of course, I needed Dawson to get to the Olympics too, mm -hmm. right? But listen, as I said earlier in this in this broadcast, being known as an Olympian is huge for me. Yeah. Not every not everybody on this earth can say that. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm 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 one of the few. There are many, but there's this world is huge, as you know. Yeah. So to be to be an Olympian uh, is 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 very important to me. Dawson would be second, and I think I would I would cut the All American words only because without Dawson, yeah, I don't get to the All Americans. Okay, well said. Well said. All yeah. right, all right. Kenny, you got any? No, you go, Kenny. Yeah. Listen, Dwight, um, I really appreciate you being on here. This is for real. This is probably one of our best interviews that we've had, just because. You're Dwight, you know. A lot of people have been asking <laughs> us about you, you know, and we we're like, don't worry, he's gonna come out. We don't worry about it, you know. And we, to have you on is it's a it's a blessing for us, you know, for to be part of our paving the way podcast for sure. You want the pioneers to help Munchaka basketball where it is today. You're a man of many talents, you know. A lot of things that I'm sure a lot of people are gonna be surprised watching to that they hear about you. So I really appreciate you being on here and having the time to talk to us. Listen, guys, I know you guys have been trying to get me on for, for several months now. Um, I am quite busy, uh -huh. but I, I, I wanted to make sure that I was a part of the, of, of the Paving the Way movement. Uh -huh. um, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Um, I, I know both of you guys, and uh, it's a lot of respect there. And uh, I truly appreciate you reaching out to me. And whether I'm known as one of the pioneers of in this province for basketball in Quebec or not, I just want to do my part. I just want to, I know I'm a part of, 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 of history here, but uh, I just wanted to make sure that I, that I did my part mm -hmm. and I continue to do my part. And if I could be an influence to anybody, I know I've done my job. Definitely. So thank you very much. Continue success with yeah. your podcast. I know it's going to go well because you got, you have a lot of content. You have a lot of people to get to yeah. that you haven't done it done as yet. So I'll be watching, and I know you guys are going to do a fantastic job. So credit to you. Congratulations to you both. Yeah, it's you, it's a you. great thing you're doing, and everybody appreciates it. Believe me, I know this. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Seth. Uh, so everyone listening, and um, please don't forget to subscribe. Once again, I'm Seth Moa, a.k.a. Essay, here with Kenny Jean-Louis. And stay tuned for our next episode.